welcome to this edition of Spotlight. My name is Chelsea. And I'm Rogan. If this is your first time checking out Spotlight, this is an offshoot of the Prognose podcast, where we chat with some incredible artists and musicians in the progressive rock scene. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all the Prognose patrons for helping these episodes happen. Check out what the benefits are of becoming a patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. Today's special guest is Charlie Robbins, the mastermind behind Syncato, here to talk to you about his most recent release, the album A Place to Breathe. Glad to have you on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So myself, I uh, am a musician, I guess mainly known for guitar, but uh, I like to compose, you know, in the realm of prog metal, uh, but I like to venture here and there. Uh, I'm in a band called Artificial Language, uh, Sincato is my solo project, and uh, yeah, just try to have as m- much fun as I can, I guess. <laughs> yes, oh, that's a great sentiment to, to have going into uh, your own music and solo project. Yeah, it, that, that's, that's got to be the number one thing that you think about before you go in is like, are you having fun with it? Because it'll, it'll burn you out pretty fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when you're totally enjoying it, it's you know it's a process and it's uh, you know it consumes a lot of your life. So you know I feel like that alleviates a lot of the the stress that you would encounter if you weren't like into it. Like if you weren't into it, I I couldn't even imagine like how stressful mm-hmm. it would be <laughs> on top of how it is now. <laughs> Especially from like the solo artist like compositional stream mm-hmm. like that to sit down and and figure out a whole layer of tracks that and piecing stuff together yeah that, that's super stressful there's times where i'll look at it and i'm like what am i even looking at <laughs> it's too many <laughs> things so you know certain things here and there help you categorize what what you're doing uh obviously setting like lists and goals you can check off those are those are always little things that help you kind of chip away at it and physically see like okay i am progressing in this album or song or whatever you're doing and uh, that just kind of like gives you that little mental motivation you know it's like going to the gym and seeing results you uh, mm-hmm. you definitely got to like get in there and do the work and then when you can see the results it gives you that motivation so uh, yeah it's it's tough for sure uh, so getting into the questions here uh, we're gonna start off with basics general sort of history okay. a little bit uh, what are the origins of the name Sincato. Like, where did that oh, come no, from? Oh no, did I say it wrong in the intro? I tried so hard to say it right, <laughs> I was like practicing. <laughs> well, it's not a real word, so it's not really your fault. So okay. um, it's, it's literally, um, it was the working title for the artificial language song, which is now called Mazes. But I wrote it, and um, if you know how the song goes, it goes da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So it's syncopated staccato. Literally those two, musical terms put together and we ended up changing the name and I was like, well, I still think that name kind of sounds cool. So <laughs> I used it for my solo project, which was essentially meant to be nothing. It was it was literally just practicing recording, practicing writing on the off season of uh, artificial language. And it kind of went on its own journey and uh, the name kind of like started to stick. And I, I, I'm actually really stoked on that name because, uh, you know, a lot of the times you'll look back and be like, dang, I wish I would have picked a better name. I feel like mm. that's one of the decisions I'm like still pretty stoked on. Who knows? Ten years from now, I may hate it. <laughs> I hope you still love it. <laughs> I do too, yeah. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your influences. Yeah, so uh, it, it's so hard to like narrow it down because, you know, throughout your life, there's always going to be 
artists that may have planted a seed in you that you don't even really think about, you know, upon the, the question. But like right off the bat, like growing up, um, Slipknot and Avenged Sevenfold were like my go-to. Like I know they're pretty different, but like yes. Slipknot got my aggression out, uh, and then Avenged Sevenfold, you know, to this day I still think are amazing songwriters, especially the last record. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, like the the stage was super sick, and uh, yeah, like so Sinister Gates has always been a phenomenal guitarist. I just feel like um, they've they've gotten a bad you know rap because the whole like vampire thing or however they dress during City of Evil. <laughs> and uh, but if you look past that, there's like amazing compositions in there, especially City of Evil. It's like to this day blows my mind that like wow, like these dudes who were probably like 23 created this like album that's like over an hour long. And it's it's amazing. Um, and it's so technical and well done mm -hmm. too. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like I I got a lot from them in the regard of still showing off like your your chops and you know technical aspects that will draw in kids like me growing up that just want to see you shred. But then also like giving somebody something to listen to. So like um, a lot of times people will tell me like oh I'm the only band or like Syncato is the only band that I can play in the car with my girlfriend in the car because like it still has parts that you can listen to but you still get your like I guess uh, your fix for some shred if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Avenged Sevenfold like really did that for me because they have a very great sense of melody, great sense of harmony particularly um, and that stems from I think the we both have the same um, influence from Danny Elfman uh, so he mm. does a lot of compositions, um, you know, for Tim Burton, Number for Christmas, all that stuff. Um, he's just been like a huge influence on me, uh, particularly like harmonically speaking and in instrumentally when I like to add in like fun quirky stuff like on Mobius, it goes off into this little Danny Elfman section. And uh, it, yeah, it's it's my, I guess my ode to, to Danny Elfman. And uh, so I know Vince Sinfold like loves him, which is like a uh, little piece of heaven is particularly like that. And that always just got me like super stoked. Um, and then I guess moving forward, like bands like Between the Bear to Me, Born Osiris, I'm Abomination, you know, you start getting into like um, the subgenre category. You don't just get the face value bands that like you, you know, you've, you kind of hear the usual names when you get in like to metals like Lamb of God, like Killswitch. You know, Slipknot, like the usuals, and then you start getting into subgenres, and then you start like, like hearing all those bands, and that's when it gets messy. There's just like probably hundreds I can't even think of, um, mm. and then like on the classical side of things, like I said, Danny Elfman, um, Chopin for like harmony, um, the Romantic era, like in uh, classical terms, uh, and then for like flamenco and stuff, um, Grisha Gorichev came to my college and you know, did a master class and he kind of went over um, a bunch of flamenco techniques, did uh, ex uh, like stretching exercises, which I still do to this day, and uh, kind of got me on that path to loving flamenco, which as, I mean, admittedly, I'm not the best flamenco player at all, but it's just something I love. So it's like, it wasn't until Coloratura, which I was just like, I'm just gonna give it a shot and trying to like blend my love and influence into metal and prog and see how it goes, you, like you never, you never really know until you try it. So I tried to blend my three favorite things, which is like uh, flamenco and classical, metal, and then like the modern instrumental prog, and then like make a smoothie, you know, just see 
how it goes. And, and what uh, a beautiful smoothie, oh my god. <laughs> well, th thank you. Yes, uh, one, one of my favorite smoothies, I would say. Uh, and yeah, that pretty much all those influences, you know, some way or another just planted seeds in me to like, um, make me happy to play this. And uh, I, f I feel like ultimately that's the goal is to like play things that make me happy. Cause like we were mentioning earlier, it gets you going, you know, it makes it easier to start your day when you know you're gonna play things that you love. Uh, and yeah, that was a long-winded way of saying who my influences are, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, but no, like, truly, uh, like blending those two is such a unique concept too, and it really comes out as like something new in your sound that like sets these albums apart from like anything else I've ever heard. And it, it become, it's like truly a new <laughs> style. And I wish more people would like blend areas and genres mm -hmm. like that and, and different styles. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, ultimately that's what I want is just more people making music uh, so I have things to listen to. So like for me, what worked was just like taking three things that you don't think necessarily would go together and giving it a shot. You know, you never know. There's, I have experimentations where I've done things that didn't work out, but it's fun, you know. Uh, th that's kind of the process is like, the experimental process, and then the ending is like, when you're surprised, you're like, whoa, that's actually cooler than I thought. I didn't mm -hmm. think that was gonna be cool. And then, uh, yeah, and then generally, when you blend three things together like that, or four, you know, pick whatever number you want, I guess, uh, it'll ultimately usually have its own sound. And I think that's the part that um, a lot of people would benefit from. Is as simple as just taking three things, rather than overthinking it, like, the you know the the almost like the human condition in music terms of like how do I make something new, which is like an endless sea of ideas. Mm -hmm. You can kind of break it down into like three, three or four little things blended together, and it will naturally create its own thing. That reminds me a lot of uh, Diablo Swing Orchestra. I, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Along those lines, like they, there was just like that resurgence in mm -hmm. um, in uh, like new age swing music, and like looking yep. back to like sort of the twenties, the Roaring Twenties, and yep. yeah. uh, and then like them blending that with like modern metal style, but still having like. Uh, like traditional vocalists and, mm -hmm. and stuff over top of that, like that, that reminds me a lot of that that idea. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think that's also another like aspect that I wanted to explore, and we've done that with artificial language quite a bit, where um, a lot of bands will like dip in to like a classical part, or dip into like a flamenco section, or dip into like a circusy sounding part, you know, and then they'll get out real quick and then go back to normal. It's kind of like uh, this idea of just instead of making that one part, you make it the whole piece and you mm -hmm. make that the whole vibe and then you dip into the traditions if you like. Um, almost like um, something like uh, Quentin Tarantino doing Reservoir Dogs. You know, just the scene where the whole movie is basically usually just one scene in a movie, but then that's where you dive in and you do the whole movie about one scene. So it's kind of like the inverse of what people usually do. And uh, I, I kind of like thought that would be fun to see like, what if we made a whole album on this or at least a full song based like this, but a whole album would be cool. And that's kind of how like A Place to Breathe um, and Coloratura came to be was just like, like I said, exploring those things and saying like, what would happen if someone just, instead of just dipping in for a few seconds, made it the whole 
vibe so that way when you listen to it you're kind of getting like into almost like you're watching a movie if you will uh mm-hmm. and yeah so that's kind of how i like to view things in a very i guess visual way but it's not visual <laughs> Listening to that album really does feel like watching a movie. I hadn't been able to put my finger on it. I was like, why does it feel so like, it's just like a full experience. Yeah. So I'd say you nailed that. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's always, you know, the goal, but you never know if you actually like nail it. Uh, because of course you're going to have some form of an, an attachment to your music and you're going to think like, oh, I did it, you know. Um, but until it's out, you never know. Um, but like, like I said, it's easy to like, take in like criticism or anything like that if you're you know happy with what you've done like the first person that has to give the okay is me um and if it if i don't have the okay then it's not going out and i think that's the one thing that a lot of people need to like you know really realize if you're happy with it and you've had the okay um that's like oh that's one step towards you know final product um you know it if you let it go past you, you're not even stoked about it, and then the fans aren't even stoked about it. It's like, who'd you write that for? You know, you got to write yeah. it for yourself first, and then after that, you can let it and become what it's going to become. I really like that. I think that's great advice for anybody in a creative field: is make sure you're happy with what you're putting out there first. It's kind of like a shield. Yeah. It, it really is because it's it's like the ultimate shield because like you being happy is like the what you need to do first. Um, because it like it is always going to come back to it's just a lot of work, a lot of stress, and you got to think about yourself and like essentially your mental health when it comes to this. You know, it's a lot of work. You sacrifice a lot of things. So making sure you're doing something that genuinely makes you happy will take you so far. Yes, I I totally agree with that. So you were talking about artificial language and your influences like Avenged Sevenfold and hundreds of others. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was wondering, are there influences that cross over between artificial language and Sincato, or mm-hmm. do you have two distinct visions between the two? Like, are they really separate, or is there a lot of like overlap? Huh. That's a good question, because uh, you know, in some regards, there's there's people who have said like, oh, I can still tell it to you. Um, based off your writing, but in other ways, I feel like Sincato, I explore a little bit more tonally speaking, I guess, like guitar tones. Um, and with like artificial language, it's a little bit more, I guess, towards the metal end of things. So, like, we're gonna have more high gain stuff more often than I would with Sincato. I would, you know, do more clean stuff. However, the new artificial language stuff is gonna be kind of like bridging the, the gap right there. Is I'm gonna, we're gonna explore with more tones, more chill sections, but we're still gonna go with the heavier stuff too. So it's almost gonna be like, um, we're gonna go hard on both ends, if you will. That was kind of the goal for it. Um, we're about like halfway written through it, and that's where it seems like it's going. It's like a mixture of syncato with artificial language, and then Shay's gonna sing on top of that, which I think is the cherry, because personally I've always loved uh, Shay's voice. Um, so whenever like he kind of comes to me with like a part on this, like last week at practice, he showed me something and I was just like way too stoked. Uh, <laughs> and it's nice to be able to hear like syncato stuff, but with some like sweet vocals over it. And um, yeah, it's getting me like all pumped up and like literally right after this, I'm heading to the studio and we're going to start doing more building on that regard. And uh, yeah, 
I'm just really stoked on it. So there's a lot of crossover that's going to be going on with the sound. And now I'm stoked for when if that ever makes it into an album that I can listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it, it will. Like, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at following through with uh, my projects um, because I'm always just super stoked about them. It's like, I want it. I want to hear it too at the end. So um, most of the time when the fans are like, I hope you actually make an album, I hope you do this. I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about that. <laughs> Yes, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's amazing too how like uh, a good vocal line can completely change uh, like the sound and feel of, of a part as yeah. well. It will like completely change like the whole vibe of it. Like there's been times where I thought it, it sounded a little bit more classical or something. And then Shay does his vocals and he, um, he definitely has a different style of like um, melodically laying out his lines and it sounded way more jazzy when he put it on I think it was like the wild haunt and I was like wow that is so sick it's like it basically like plot twisted me I was just like I did not expect <laughs> that vocal line to completely change the vibe of the song um, but that's what's like really cool about also not being like with the solo project you kind of know everything that's going on but when someone comes to you it's mm -hmm. actually really cool to be able to like be surprised you know like that's one thing that you don't get as often when you're in the room and you see every little thing is you're not as surprised. Um, so yeah, you, you're totally right in the regard of a vocal line can completely change it. So the tagline for A Place to Breathe seems to be somebody said I shouldn't slide so much so I wrote an album. <laughs> so can you tell us a bit of the story behind that and how this album came to be? So, uh... That, it, it's so funny because that story is essentially, um, I do realize like I've always loved slides which kind of, I'm starting to like see, I'm going back and almost have like a, a nostalgic kick with Avenged Sevenfold and bands like that. So I noticed there was quite a bit of slides from Sinister Gates and a few other bands as well. And once again, like I was saying, is like instead of just dipping into that, what if you like went hard with it? Like just to see what, <laughs> happens like it's always usually like let's just see what happens and that's I think the the most exciting part so I remember um, I was at the studio and then like some dude commented on like someone's like shared post of my video and then was like that dude slides too much and he he wasn't even like mean or anything like that uh, he probably f agrees with it but I just uh, saw it and I was like oh like whatever like I'm, I'm pretty good at taking like criticism uh, and when I was like driving home, I was just like, that's so funny that he'd say that because that's my favorite part. And I was like, <laughs> I wonder what would happen if I wrote like an entire riff with like insane slides, like like what would happen? And then like in my head, I heard dun, 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 dun. like it just popped in my head. And I was like, no way, like it couldn't have been that easy. And I'm driving home and, I'm, <laughs> and then it starts playing out in my head more. Like I hear the riff. It's like 98% what you hear on that original video is in my head and then I'm I'm already late because I'm supposed to make dinner for my wife now uh, but I was supposed to make dinner and I come and I'm like I'm so sorry like I need to write this she's like yeah go do it and I pull <laughs> out my laptop and I write like a rough draft version into Guitar Pro and it was just like I, I did it in like C I went C minor chord and then just went like crazy with these slides and I wrote them in I never even played it and I was like that sounds so cool I was like I'm probably gonna hate it the next day though 
And then the next day I opened it up. I was like, that still sounds pretty cool. I like it. And <laughs> I realized how hard it was going to be to play. But I was like, that's going to be my goal to see like if I can do it. So I pretty much finished it up and then played it. And I was like, wow, like this sounds like either terrible or cool. So let's just see how it goes. So I made a video and I just named it. Someone told me I slide too much. So I wrote this riff. Like there was no like, um, like hatred behind it or anything crazy like that. It was just like, <laughs> I couldn't think of a title. So that's what it was. And I put it up and it like somehow blew up. It's like almost at like a million views. And I was just like, well, that's weird. Like, <laughs> like the, the one thing that I thought like everybody would hate, um, people just liked it. And I was like, that is such like, and I, would, I don't want to get too deep, but I was like, that is a musical thing. Like, even if it's over the top, it's evoking some form of emotion, whether it's laughter, because this dude doesn't want me to do this and I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And like these 900,000 people are just like, that's <laughs> so funny. Like, yeah, keep doing you. And all the, pretty much most of the like, response was like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I love the way that sounds. And I was like, hey, I do too. Like, it's clearly over the top and something about it is what I like, like the over the topness about it. Um, and so I just had that in the video went like insanely like well on its own, but you know, it's a YouTube clip, that's how it goes. So I'm starting writing the album and then I'm writing Let Us Dance and then I had this build up and I don't know if you guys heard the song yet, but there's like this like mm -hmm. nice little snare build up and then it's going up, going up and then it just hits and I was like, okay, I need something epic at the end. I was like, I can do a breakdown, I can do like a crazy solo, I can do all these things. And I was like, but I want something that's really, it's like like a plot twist. Like in a movie, like, you know, like I see dead people type riff or something. Like, you know, <laughs> you just like, just don't know what's gonna happen. So I was like, should I do it? It was in C, it was in C minor and it built up and I was like, all right, let's see how it goes. And then in, in Guitar Pro, I just went back and grabbed that old file and put it right here and then played it. And then I was like, that works. Like, okay, I'm gonna go do it. And I was like, I have to because like, it's too, it has like a life of its own. And I'm just gonna go and try it. And I recorded it and I was like, this sounds cool. I'm, I'm just gonna wait for somebody to tell me, why'd you do that? It's basically a meme, why are you putting in any music? <laughs> and everybody I showed, they're like, did you really do that? They're like, I love it. And then everyone's like, I love it, I love it. Because, like I said, it has like a life of its own. And, and I think that's what, like I said, music's about, is like, just like go for it. You know, it's like, if I can play it and I enjoy the sound, Let's just go for it. So then like we have that song and then I was just like, yeah, someone told me to slide. So I wrote an entire album basically with a bunch of slides in it um, <laughs> while still trying to make it as musical as possible. So shout out to that guy who originally commented on your Instagram that you slide too much because look at what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, in a way, I appreciate that person very much. They, um, mm -hmm. they, they definitely... Uh, you know, basically made half that album. <laughs> also, I need to know, did you ever end up making dinner for your wife? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. <laughs> yes, awesome. I, I love cooking, so. Going back to what you said about, like, what it took to, like, learn that after mm -hmm. you wrote it and put it down on paper, like, I, I find that such a great way to write, because you you kind of get out of that like set sort of musicianship yeah. uh, of that and you just write based on what sounds good and and what mm -hmm. is like what you feel is is going to make an impact like especially mm -hmm. just yeah. to you going back to what you say like being happy with it like mm -hmm. but 
that some of the most interesting music just comes out of just sitting down with like either a pen or paper or going into Guitar Pro and just like mapping everything out beforehand, no matter if you can play it then or not. Yeah, it, it's definitely a fun approach. Like with, um, you know, technology, we have the means to make music in an unorthodox way. And ultimately, if you, I think if you end up playing it yourself, it doesn't matter how you got there. So like with Guitar Pro, you could just put in a bunch of numbers and think it sounds cool. And it's like, and if you end up learning to play it, that means like you're viewing it from a perspective that you wouldn't have thought of before. So like when you go in, a lot of times your left hand will dictate what's going to be played uh, because we have learned these scales, we've learned these licks. So your left hand's kind of like, I already have these presets in my hand. But if you kind of start from here and don't even like bother with your left hand or right hand if you're um, a left hand player, uh, if you kind of just go with the, the the brain kind of taking over like what it wants to hear and then learning it afterwards, um, you'll throw some loops, you know, like that's going to be, or some hoops that you have to jump through. But ultimately, I think it pushes you as a musician because it's like learning a new piece every time you do it. It's not something you're used to. And then when you play that two, three, four times, that becomes something that your left hand now is used to. So these weird and exotic phrases are now a part of your left hand. And I know that's, I say left hand a lot, like it's, it has a mind of its own, but it kind of does when you play guitar. Sometimes it just goes, like when you yeah, talk. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, like exactly. You can, you can like just let it go and it'll play what it wants. And if you kind of train it to do these odd phrases that we as, I guess, modern musicians um, crave to hear, uh, you'll start naturally playing those things and people will probably take notice They're like what is that like that's super odd like I've never heard that um, and that's kind of like how the newer my newer sound has been coming out is like I've basically forced myself to learn these weird phrases and slidey licks that shouldn't be played on guitar because it's mm -hmm. it looks insane going up to the second fret and then like all the way back it's like crazy but I made myself do it and now it's very easy and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really fun actually. I love like just feeling like I'm just soaring across the board and then you get the slide zones that I've always been attracted to. Um, it's so fun to watch too. Like it looks <laughs> yeah. absolutely insane. I love it when you come across my feed on Instagram. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. When I was watching that like a couple years ago, uh, like th that is what I, what I thought for sure was that, oh, that is like definitely some classical guitar technique. Because it's just like absolutely jumping from like the first fret to the 12th fret all the time in like yeah. half a second. And <laughs> yeah, borderline over the top. Uh, but like I was mentioning, I was just like, that's kind of the stuff that kind of gets me stoked is when I see someone just going for it and uh, having mm -hmm. fun. I, I love that stuff. Um, yeah, and then that, that video was the thing that sparked the whole, like, people thinking I speed up my videos and thing, or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, which kind of worked out in my favor because more people ended up listening to the music, and it's like, all I had to do was just post a video of me playing that riff and live with, like, an iPhone, and there you go, it worked. And then people saw the video, and they're like, oh, he's legit. I'm, like, a fan now. So it kind of worked out in my favor. Controversy always ends up working out in <laughs> the brand's favor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the brand's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> all, all press is good press. <laughs> sort yeah. of ideal. Th that's why, like, when uh, it was, I guess, getting blown up and stuff, and they're like, everyone's getting called out for speeding up their videos, I had, like, no issue because I was just like, 
cool, I could easily back this up, just post a video, which I did. Um, and there's, of course, plenty of people who are still like, no, like, you, you sped up this one, but not that one. And I'm like, well, why would I speed up the first one if I could play it the whole time? Okay. Um, New conspiracy theory yeah. is that you can just time travel and you slightly sped up yeah. time or slow down <laughs> time all around you to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much conspiracy theorists for guitarists. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's borderline entertaining to see them lose their minds in the comments, like, over something that's not real. It's fun, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, like your your Instagram, I've I've seen a, a lot since uh, you signed with Kiesel to be a signature artist. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was wondering how you've enjoyed using those guitars for some of your more recent releases. Oh, I love it. You know, it's it's one of those things that like uh, a lot of people get very tribalistic about guitars. Um, in, in my opinion, any like high-end brand, whether, whether it's any of the top 10 companies, they're all gonna provide a good guitar. Um, the one thing that drew me to Kiesel was instantly they did make me feel like um, a part of the family. He, you know, my um, rep has always been very kind to me. Uh, and then when it comes to the actual guitar is you can have these nice guitars, but with this one, you can build it exactly to your specs, which is a whole nother beast. I, thought I knew about guitars and I did not until I had to build a guitar. They're like you have like a list of a hundred things, they're like what do you want here, what do you want there? I was like, I didn't even know that was that existed. Um, <laughs> it kind of makes you an expert in wood, an expert in wood. I, I'm still not the best, but like, you know, when I see wood I'm like, oh I, I know that's maple or that's ash or you know walnut or something. Um, and so in that regard, like being with Kiesel actually helped me I think become more of a well-rounded like guitar enthusiast if you will like I, I noticed things that I wouldn't have noticed in, until you build your own kind of like building a PC like you don't know what the computer's made of until like you build a PC um, and same thing with guitars is like picking out each individual thing and making it unique to yourself is a special feeling it's a uh, it's definitely scary when you don't know what it's gonna look like until you get it but that's also a part of the fun is like when you pick wood, wood is unpredictable. You can't say, I want this wood and know exactly what it's gonna look like. Um, and I would get a lot of wood finished guitars. And every time I got one, like, it wasn't what I expected, but it was just as good in its own way. Because like I said, it's, it's wood. And uh, definitely got me like really stoked about, you know, the, the building process of a guitar. Um, and then playability-wise, it's it's great. Like, of course, anybody can, like I was mentioning, like all the top guitars, they're gonna be good in their own way. They all have their pros, um, and they're all gonna be special to the person that owns it. It's just the the building process is, is extremely fun and uh, exciting. Okay, so I guess we, ha we have one last question for you before okay. we let you get off to your practice. I know it's kind of a global pandemic that's kind of coming to an end right now, but I was wondering if you have any plans to tour this album, and if so, how are you going to do that? And then also, I guess, what are your plans going forward from here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of tough to have plans because, you know, plans aren't what they used to be, where it's basically mm. not a plan, it's just a hopeful, you know, thought. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, for Sincato, it's still at the moment just like a studio project with musicians around the world. Um, so uh, there's no plans to go live. Uh, artificial language, though, we're planning to play live. Um, there was UK Tech Fest, but that got canceled. Um, 
So we have some stuff that's like, I guess, like being pitched at us, um, but we're trying to figure out the logistics of all that stuff. So you, we don't know how that's going to go. Um, but we also have at some point, at least two or three of the guys in the band, maybe, maybe a few guys in the band will hear this and be like, I never said that. But there's like three, <laughs> th <laughs> there's like three dudes in the band who are like, let's do like a one or two Sincato songs at some point just for fun, like give Shay like a little break and then we'll play some instrumental mm -hmm. songs. Um, you know, we, we'll play with instrumental bands all the time and uh, kind of stick out for having vocals, which is an odd thing. Um, but that would be the time to do it. You know, if it's like an instrumental main set and then we can play some Sincato tracks, I would really love to do that, see how it goes, you know, N never done it, but it would be really fun to like, um, get Jaron, you know, playing the drum parts, which he, we usually at practice kind of jam them out anyway. So in a way I've already got the feel for it, but, um, it would be definitely a very fun adventure to play artificial language and Sincato songs in the same set. If you do that and you take it on a tour, I hope you come to my city. Where are you at? <laughs> oh, we're in uh, Calgary, Alberta. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I would like to go everywhere, arguably. <laughs> so, um, yes. it, yeah, it, it's just, um, yeah, figuring all that stuff out is like so crazy right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And I hear it's really hard to book venues as things open back up because every single musician wants to play live. <laughs> yeah, they probably like birthed like twice as many musicians just in the past year because you're in your house like let's learn an instrument. So mm -hmm. also true. We would like to thank you so much for listening to this edition of Spotlight. If you enjoyed the episode or learned something new, please subscribe. If you'd like to hear more interviews and get more prog rock content, you can become a special Prog Notes patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. Also, come join our Discord community, a chat room for all prog rock fans and fans of the show. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. All of these links are in this episode's description. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of prog rock. Destin and Drew will be back with another episode on the 15th. See you on Discord. Thanks. Thanks.